Welcome to Funny Book Forensics, episode 256. This is part two of our discussion of DC Superstars, number 17. Well, we're like, we've made it through the Green Arrow story. All oh, yeah. Of it, and we are on to story number two. Your favorite story. And, uh, uh, it's... Look, uh, if you want to follow the Legion, I just want to say... I can give you a lot of stories to introduce you to the Legion. Yeah. This is not one of them. This is not this is not your first choice. No. Uh, we've got The Secret of the Quintile Crystal, writers Jack C. Harris, penciler Juan Ortiz, inker Bob Smith, who you mentioned to me did some Archies later on. Yeah, and that's actually, when I, when I was reading this, I was like, is this the same Bob Smith that did the Archies? Because I met him, and he's really cool. <laughs> Yeah, and it looks like he did quite a bit of, of late 70s, early 80s work, as did Jack C. Harris. Um, and Paul Levitz is the editor again here. So I think one thing I do want to point out is, you know, Denny O'Neill, I think I pointed this out at the beginning, but Denny O'Neill, Jack C. Harris, and Levitz were all editors, too. And so wow. it's really interesting that we have people that were really strong editors all penciling or penning, uh-huh. I guess. The yeah. stories. I don't want to get it confused with penciling, but yeah. penning the stories here, uh-huh. uh, and it's it makes sense in a respect because if they're secret origin stories, so to speak, it would make sense that an editor would go at them because yeah, they yeah. would have that background information and the character books and everything else. That makes sense. So, just tossing that out, and so I think this story. Uh, I'm going to just start in. Yeah, it's very much written like an editor wrote the story. It is uh, paint by numbers. Here <laughs> is here are the characters you can get. Yeah, here, here are the characters. I, I'm not gonna lie. I I picked that up. Like when you when you said you didn't like this, I was like, well, what is it that Dan doesn't like about it? And and from a from from my perspective, not knowing the story and or some of the other stories, I was like, well, it's a great introduction, but I could see. Where it's a da 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 yeah <laughs> kind of story. And it is. It's very much that. And so we get. It's not a secret origin of Legion superheroes. In fact, uh, they acknowledge in the editor's notes. Levitz acknowledges everybody knows that origin, so we weren't going to tell it again. However, I don't know that everybody did, but yeah. that's fine. So we've get uh, we've got Superboy and the Legion founders, Cosmic Boy, Saturn Girl, and Lightning Lad standing around looking at the Quintile Crystal, which is supplying Metropolis su- supplying the Metropolis power sphere with energy for a decade. Oh wow, that's a that's, pretty amazing crystal. That is pretty amazing. And that's the crystals wild. would get mentioned over and over again in in no. They don't get mentioned over and over again. Yeah, no. Um, Dude, this is it. This is the only time. I don't know if it's the only time, but Paul this Levitz, is like the fourth, the the one of four times that they talk about it. So they bring it up uh, in this origin story, and they never bring it back up until like seven books later, and then another twenty books later, or less than that, because the sphere they refer to here, the power sphere. Uh, when Levitz is writing Legion, he just makes them into fusion power spheres. So they are nuclear fusion spheres that power the Earth. And that pretty much is mainstay for Legion for a long time. So, yeah, there, there wasn't need for magic crystals. 
But it, it sort of makes sense in a 1978 book that you'd have magic crystals. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that makes sense. You know, it, it fits. It right. Fits I mean, everybody loves magic, magic crystals. Sure. Yeah. And so the uh, the science police officer puts on a giant uh, oven mitt and grabs the crystal. And we have a flashback with a very pouty looking Superman who oh. doesn't look like he wants to. I mean, Superboy. Superboy is like, I know he's like a super pouty. He's got yeah. that mm, face. He has this F this. I don't want to hear their stupid origin story heard again. Stupid story before. And so so we, we do get a one and a half page review of the story. I, I, I was waiting for like all of a sudden he's got this brooding face going on. And I'm like, oh, great. The Postal Service is going to kick in. And that's what the soundtrack is going to be. No. Bad joke? Okay. <laughs> I mean, it was fine. Okay. <laughs> I I really I really landed, helped you land that joke, too. I know you did, dude. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. That was, was truly amazing. That was the worst. My well, jokes are terrible, people. Well, I find it very important to let you know that the Legion of Superheroes were introduced in Adventure Comics 247. Aha. And But the origin was not told there, but the origin has been told many times. Three teenagers with powers are riding on a ship with multi-billionaire Sam- R.J. Brand. Sam Elliott. Yes, Sam Elliott. And Sam- then... Sam Elliott. <laughs> Sam Elliott Brand. And then they... A Saturn girl who's telepath, not a telekinetic. I just want to stress that. Okay. Saturn girl who is a telepath, not a telekinetic. Yes. Supergirl writers on TV. That's for you. For she them. senses because the origin of Legion can't happen if she's a telekinetic, not a. Yeah, anyway. Okay. A telepath. So, anyway, she here's two people's thoughts that they want to murder RJ brand. <gasps> Sam Elliott. Cosmic boy uses his magnetism to take away the gun and lightning lad. Of course, those aren't their names yet. Uh, uses his magical lightning to zap the guy. Zap. Um, Magnet. He got <laughs> in the best origin ever by being his brother crossed a spaceship and he got shot with lightning by the lightning beasts of Corball. And then he got his powers. Okay, Whoa. I'm done Legion geeking out, but they became Cosmic Boy, Saturn Girl, and Lightning Lad, and we have the Legion of Superheroes start. They Boom. Just like that. By, they are inspired by Superboy. That's why they were created. That's sort of the history. Superboy as in Superman when he was a boy. When he was a boy. Not. So wait. Superman being the ageless, timeless person who turns 40 in 1977-78 was a boy. Well, you know, it's time travel, wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey, you know, it's it's okay. What did he eat when he was a young boy? Yeah, so it... Pancakes. So... Wrong. No, I'm correct, because they stole the pancake concept in the 70s books from the the pancakes that uh, Aunt May used to make for Peter. Oh, okay. You're right. But you don't know that. 
I don't know that. Because you didn't read the New Adventures of Superboy. No, I read the Spider-Mans. So, <laughs> anyway, uh, they save RJ Brand, and he gives them a spaceship to go on their first case to get a crystal from somebody who's stealing it. Uh, I am going to say on the next page, we have a guy with two creepy white eyes and a purple cloak. Uh, one of the Legion's most prominent villains is a villain called the Time Trapper. Oh, the Time Trapper. And he wears a purple cloak. Oh, does he have white eyes? Yes. Is and, he all about crystal? And, and an obscured face. And so when I saw that as the reader, I was like, oh my oh. God, the Time Trapper in their first case. And, and he's it, all about the crystal. <laughs> not the Time Trapper. Oh, bait yeah. and switch. And so it's some... Um, lame like interplanetary bureaucrat which is oh, man a little it's, it's as bad yeah i mean i guess bureaucracy in the 70s being the villain sort of makes sense but bureaucracy during any time is the villain yeah and apparently all of the bureaucrats dress like the time trapper because because they're they all evil all have a magic, <laughs> it's like the legion fighting the magic purple cloak club um oh but i i got too far the ambassador gets oh. to go away because the police officer tells them they don't have the authority to arrest him and he's like an ambassador and he has immunity and so oh, he gets to leave because of the gravity unit danger yeah which sounds like an awesome band name. Anyone listening, that Gravity should be a band name. Danger. Yeah. Gravity Unit Danger. Gravity Unit Danger. Yeah. <laughs> That's not the right kind of music, though. No, I don't think so. It'd be like Gravity Unit Danger at the <laughs> Paramount. Yeah. Okay. Kind of like that. Yeah. So um, <laughs> the Legion's not going to give up, though. They're going to uh -huh. take their cool spaceship um, that looks like a giant rocket. Um, that looks like the their clubhouse, but like a rocket. But anyway, and they're going to go into space and it's going to be great. They're going to break up a secret cabal of purple hooded guys. Oh, Whoa. oh, purple hooded guys. Cabal. Well, when you turn the page, we have something way more interesting than the purple hooded guys, which is the CBS Saturday morning lineup. Oh, my I gosh. It's today. bananas. <laughs> It's yeah, it awesome. is bananas. We have the Mr. Magoo cartoon, Bugs Bunny Roadrunner Hour. Um, we have I, Space Academy, Tarzan Adventure Hour, Batman. Oh, my God. Isis. Okay. Uh, we, I'm we, not we familiar with Space Academy, and I need to find this because, honestly, it looks like something I should have watched when I was a kid and yeah, need to watch. Except you I were, have, like, two. So. I know, but, like, reruns or whatever. But I know I've seen some of this other stuff. You know, so it's like yeah, and there's one cartoon we won't mention on here, but you know the rest of yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm also surprised that there was like in the news set up just for kids, and it was just the way that you want it. Short. Oh yeah, they had the in the news hour. I remember these. Yeah. And so, apparently, though, I, I will share something about me. The Roadrunner Hour. Apparently, I was like, you know, I was like three when this came out. Book when yeah, it came yeah. out. Apparently, when I was a small child. I got very mad at the Roadrunner. What? Why? Uh, because he was hurting the coyote. Oh, man. So I'm told that I would get very upset about the Roadrunner and cry <laughs> about the Roadrunner. You cried about the Roadrunner? Yeah. Oh, man. That's funny. Shows you the sensitive kind of guy I am. Sensitive kind so. of guy. It, it, another side note. 
to and Batmite. Yeah. Hmm? And yeah. Batmite, the best Batman character ever, not named Ace the Bat Dog. So there you go. All right. Yeah, yeah. No, Mr. Magoo, um, funny like we're we're going through some DVDs that we have and there you go. We have like a whole season of Mr. Magoo. So have to watch about there. There you go. Well, we are back to the purple cloaks and Oh my goodness. He's so angry oh, looking. He is angry. He and look, uh oh, because this thing's magnetized and Cosmic Boy won't give it back because the Legion dressed up in purple cloaks. So instead of just overwhelming this guy with their power and stuff, oh, man. they bid on the quintile crystal and they tricked him. And then they bid him up by yeah. like a million credits, two million credits. Oh my gosh. And then they catfished him with their cloaks. And they stole Ooh. the crystal back and were like, well, you can't really say we stole it from you because then you would, you know, forfeit your immunity and stuff because you oh, would tell people you did stuff wrong. And so apparently because they don't have their flight rings or flight belts yet, they have to run <laughs> across a city because clearly there's no futuristic space car, tube, transportation, uh, anything. Nope. There's literally no way in the future uh-huh. to get anywhere except for running. running across the city. And no Paul Levitz, who has written issues of the Legion, has to put in an editor's note. Um, they had not acquired their flight belts yet, mm. which tells me as editor that he is just taking a small jab at the storytelling a little bit, which I'm okay with. Okay, so there's no there's no rollerblades. There's no hoverboards. No there's hoverboards, no, there's no literally. This is look, a DC book. There's no boom tubes. Yeah, look, look. The only way to yeah. cross the city in the future is to run on the ground. Okay. Like a B-O-H, bat out of hell. Yeah. So, okay, the next day, awesome. The Legion saved the city. Congratulations. We go back to now, and we find out that the police officer at the end of the story was the one that tried to arrest the Legion. Secret origin! Yeah, God. This story hurts my soul. Um, Bazinga! If I want to hurt my brain, I can read the story or try to think about how a Cosmic Boy's costume stays up. And I, <laughs> I have to say, though, the look on. OK, the thought about that, that is a that is a question. That is definitely a question. How does it how, how does it work? I don't understand. Secondly, the look on that science cop's face in that in that panel, like it's such a weird look. Before he takes off his helmet, it's like, yeah, <laughs> I well, got a surprise for you. I think, like, I'm, uh, I don't want to disrespect Mr. Ortiz too much. I'm sure he has other great art moments, but the facial expressions, the expressions, the body, the spacing, the light, the this, this is a poorly drawn and inked issue. So it could be the combination of yeah. the two. Because yeah. obviously I've uh, I've seen obviously Adams ink before, or I mean sorry Adams Bob Smith ink before and pencil, and he's a quality artist. I know less about Ortiz. Um, I looked up a couple of things. He did some things for DC, but I think you know I'm I'm gonna I'm just gonna go up to this is but 
it's either a poor imitation of Grell art with all of the faces and everything that he does. Yeah. And it's like smeared and it's just, it's not, it's just not, um, I mean, it's just not good. I, I um, would say the bottom panel, the last panel, everyone looks like Superman. Yeah. Which I, I mean, I like girl. it. I like it. Including Saturn Girl. Yeah. Everyone has a different version of Superman. <laughs> Yeah, it, and you can tell the difference in the character by their hair color, which yeah. at this point, I mean, we're still working with uh, it, bad paper and stuff like that. But I mean, I, I think we just saw a beautiful piece where the characters all look different and yeah. then get this. I think um, that's why Superman's in the back going, Superboy's in the back going, what the heck just happened? Where did all like, these clones come from? It looks like Durr. <laughs> yeah, it's weird because, like, when you had, at this time, too, I, I don't know if it extended to this time, but they had, like, Kurt Swan draw faces, Superman faces, over Jack Kirby's work. Oh, yeah. And if they did that, like, who didn't grab this book and, and was like, uh, we need to have Kurt Swan draw Superboy's face <laughs> throughout the book. Yeah. Um, I mean, well, Superboy's, anyway. face, Superboy's face in the in the final panel looks, like, in that background, looks great. I like it in that Farfish panel. It's okay. It's it, I think it looks pretty good. It's very throwback to the like 40 Superman, but like everybody else. They look they're great Superman faces. Yeah, it, it it's well, I love it was, I love the art. It's really good. I can't draw so okay. I mean, well, well, this was a 10-page story that happened. Yeah. Okay, moving on. I like uh, that he has a 10-sided he's got a 20-sided uh, die he just handed off in in other panel too i would also just like to tie yeah that that crystal got a lot smaller too and apparently oh he handed it to cosmic boy yeah who should not be able to hold that if it's that hot but anyway um yeah i this is a disappointing story if in legion fandom but it does do one thing uh the one thing out of the story that carries on is this this idea of being deputized and so they the science police they're basically are deputies and can arrest people and so they took care of that in this origin story and one of the interesting things now that sort of carried on through the legacy if i'm going to pull one thread here mm -hmm. it's that in the current brian michael bendis legion run he's very much got the legion tied into united planets politics and working for the president and being an, a sort of arm of the law and how they're dealing with that okay so um, at least that thread continued on even through several iterations of the Legion, this idea that they're deputized and that they have the right to arrest people. And, and they have, they, as teenagers are sort of coping with that concept is, you know, who are we, what does that make us? Right. So I, I, I think it's cool that that stuck around and, yeah. uh, and we're able to keep exploring that, but the rest of the story really didn't stick around, mm. including those terrible science police helmets. So that's what I liked the best about it. Was the helmet? Love yeah. It. I want one. I want to... Because it looks oh, so cool. It looks... Okay. Um, I like it because you hate it. Yeah, that's it. So if you want to see the science police <laughs> helmet, I will be visiting Greg someday when COVID-19 is over, and I will put on the laser tag helmet at his house because uh, I'm the only person with a head small enough to wear it. I know, it's so sad. I can't put it, it on. And we'll put that up. We'll put that up on Facebook and Twitter and maybe Instagram, and you can see what the science police helmets look like when I'm wearing the... You know, laser we'll tag. put the laser tag helmet on you and then some aviator glasses on. 
It'll be beautiful. It'll, yeah. You'll look just like a science police. It'll I can be, be a science police officer. That That's so, actually awesome. I want to skip the editorial uh, okay. notes page for a while because I'm going to reference a lot of it okay. uh, when we talk about Huntress, unless you All have right. something nope. in there you just want to point out. Um, um, no, just no, Aquaman no. getting booted from the book is probably the best thing that happened. That, so. I, I honestly was like, I when, I when I saw that, I was like, I don't even know why or how he would have fit in to all this awesomeness. He would have drowned. (laughs) He would have rescued Green Arrow and he never would rescued Oliver Queen and he never would have become Green Arrow. Oh my gosh. Think about that. What would, what would that be like if that was like an alternate, like, like, if it was a whole entire side stories, like where things like that happen, where Aquaman saves saves Oliver Queen and there's no Green Arrow, <laughs> and yeah. like he goes what on if? just being, huh? What if? Oh my God, is that a thing? It is a thing. I'm just joking. Oh wait, that's a Marvel thing. I know it's a Marvel thing, but what if DC had it? What if what if DC had a thing L- called L- like could bees? bees? Oh no 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 no! Damn it, Dan! Damn it! Not again! Just run over the joke. Yeah, that's what I do. Good well, news. we're about to get into some really beautiful artwork here. Oh, yeah. And uh, so Paul Levitz was writing uh, the All-Star lineup. Uh, they had launched All-Star back and were trying to bring back the Golden Age heroes into the modern age. Mm-hmm. And later on, I think it was Len Wein who wrote it initially and then Levitz took it over. I may have that wrong. I'll have to check that later, but I am pretty sure it was Len Wein. And then of course, after these books get canceled because of the implosion. So we actually have Huntress's first appearance here. They drew, they have the original concept art that, that Staten drew and the cover art, which is cool to see. It's, it's cool to see how rough the cover was and then what it became. Uh, it's really neat to see see the concept and how things are designed. And yeah. the uh, Huntress, they had big plans for Huntress. So she was going to be one of their major female superheroes. And they were doing this in the, in the uh, Golden Age book, which is interesting. So Power Girl had already been introduced. And the Huntress was going to come onto the team to be part of that. And Levitz actually alludes to that in the editorial page. Like power girl can't be the only, you know, superheroine in comics and in the golden age. So they decided to introduce a new character and they had all sorts of great plans. And then the Huntress appears here and the implosion happens and she appears in two issues of all-star comics and it gets canceled. Canceled? Like, yeah. done? Done. As this comic was also canceled an issue later, 18 was the last issue of DC Superstars. So we almost never got this Huntress story, and it's really cool that it survived because obviously there's a lot of different variations of the Huntress that we can get into sort of as we talk about this story too. Uh, this is the original version, uh, the daughter of Batman and Catwoman. The daughter of? They had a daughter? They had a daughter. Well, because this takes place on Earth 2. Wait, there's a second Earth? Tell me more. Well, you see. Okay. I'm listening. 
remember we had to have the crisis on infinite earths to get yes. rid of all the earths right okay because this concept was so hard to explain okay uh, are you ready yes well on one earth where they tell fictional stories there's the superheroes that came from the silver age with like mm -hmm. the flash yes and green lantern hal jordan yes and superman and wonder woman and stuff like that yes right? and then they had golden age superheroes that they quit publishing in the 50s and they are on earth too what? where they tell fictional stories about them ah and then there's an earth three where opposites of earth one live and those that's where like superman was really a bad guy called ultraman basically and lois lane was superwoman and she was bad and you had power ring and johnny quick but not the johnny quick from the golden age but the bad johnny quick anyway that was on earth three uh-huh and did you know in this fictional world yeah these different earths because uh -huh. they're fictional could just have different characters where writers could tell different stories oh like, i know it's if? incredibly confusing or could be yeah, it was so confusing that in 1984-85, um, Marv Wolfman and DC decided to combine all those Earths into one Earth uh -huh. and, and making it far less confusing. And they infinitely got rid of it all? Yeah, you may have heard of it. Crisis on Infinite Earths. Son of a donkey! Yeah, which you probably saw if you're watching the DC shows, you saw that in 2019 as well. Well, anyway, so we're going to flip the page here, and I'll make fun of that more later. So we are here. We've got the secret origin of the Huntress. We've got Selena Kyle marrying Bruce Wayne. Uh, we get a short explanation from Paul Levitz about what's happening. Hey, this is Earth 2. On Earth 1, Barry Allen is the Flash. And on Earth 2, Jay Garrick is known as The Flash. Many of Earth 2 heroes began their careers earlier, back in the 40s, and are members of the Justice Society. Whoa. It's all explained in one panel because it's such a confusing concept. Yes. Yeah. You can explain so, it. So, yeah, we, like, one panel, one, one, <laughs> one. Take care of it, and we're done. Yeah. Yeah. So, we find out this is a different Earth where... <laughs> Catwoman it reforms after battling Batman in 1940. Uh, Batman and Catwoman are in truly in love. They get married. They have a kid. And her name is Helena. And eventually Robin retires because he gets old and he doesn't like wearing short pants anymore. And what? Yeah. 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 I mean, you get older and wearing pulling off those short pants is, is difficult. Okay. Yeah. Well, then what's he wearing now? Long pants? Well, he's like a, an ambassador and stuff. He's he's a good oh, guy. Okay. Yeah. He's a good guy. He's a good guy. He's, <laughs> he's a good guy. He was he was raised by good people. Okay. And and in this in this world he had a mom too. Well, he had a mom in the other world too. Uh well, okay. Sorry, he had an adopted mom here. Okay, you know Bruce Wayne married. Yeah, yeah. So they have Helena Wayne, and she's growing up, and she is a Gotham socialite. And however, she admires her dad. We flip the page, and Selena Kyle gets call, called away, 
or sorry, Selena Wayne. Selena Wayne gets called away. And uh, a character that you think you, I, I like the way this is written because the way she says Silky Cernak, it seems like this was one of her crew that was part of comics in the past. Uh-huh. And one of the things I think Paul Levitz is really good at is, by his own admission, he's not really super good at creating new characters, per se. Uh-huh. This one aside. Mm-hmm. But um, he's really good at recreating old concepts. And so yeah. he takes the old concept of, like, all of those uh, this cheesy 60s era and the early era of the gangs, right, that always hung out, like, on Batman 66 and things like that. Yeah. And reconceptualizes it here into a really serious thing. Yeah. Um, and, and the way sh- the the way that this is done, so I probably should go through the creators here. We've got Levitt's writing, Staten drawing, late Bob Layton inking, and Ben Oda on letters, and who's phenomenal. And the way he letters this, and the expression that Staten draws onto uh, Catwoman's face is a shock that she's meeting this guy. Oh yeah, and she identifies him immediately. And I did confirm this was a one-off character just for this story. Oh, wow. But the way it's written, it looks as if this character's been around forever. Oh, for sure. I thought, I thought honestly, it was an old character, because I, I wouldn't have known. Wouldn't have I known. did, too. Yeah. I, I absolutely thought that when I was I reading I bought it. Story. Hook, line, and sinker. So they pulled it off. And uh, you find out he's got a picture of somebody being killed by a cat o nine tails that Catwoman threw at him oh. and she's devastated and she agrees to do one last job for this guy. So he won't share that information with her family. Mm-hmm. It's kind so, of very sad. Yeah. So it's, it, you know, on. you think you get away from, you think you get away from, from the darkness and it just pulls you back, man. It pulls you back in. It sort of sounds like some movie franchises that were out at the time. Yeah. So now we uh, get the bat signal, Batman semi-retired. They're calling for Robin. Robin's gone because as we learned, he just went off to do cool things and be an ambassador. Or in service. Yep. We get uh, Batman going out and finding the interesting cat gang with all their little purple cat suits uh, <gasps> following Catwoman around. And Batman goes out and takes out the cat gang, but one of them has a gun. He hits it, and the bullet hits Selena Wayne, and she no. falls to her death. <sighs> and I will say, they do follow up on this in All-Star Comics, and then when All-Star Comics is canceled, the JSA stories go into Adventure Comics uh-huh. and as backups. And so they do follow this up. And spoiler alert for old comics, um, Bruce Wayne is devastated and starts to go... They, they have a villain kind of interfere with his mind, too, but his mind starts to go a little bit. He starts hating vigilantes because of this event. Uh, and so that puts him in conflict with his daughter, too, which is a, a good, nice little storytelling trope that they were able to set up in the origin story uh-huh. here. So they do play off a lot of these themes down the road. He hates himself. He's a and, vigilante who hates vigilantes. Yeah. And Paul Levitt's got to kill Batman and Catwoman. So. Oh, my God. Yeah, he's just. 
But we get, I, I think, a neat little origin. We get uh, Helena Wayne committing just like Bruce Wayne does uh, yeah. to avenging her mom. Yeah. And I think it's a nice little trope that's easy to continue and a nice way to introduce a second generation hero. Mm-hmm. Stepping into the into the bat light. And you can get one of Crazy David t-shirts now. So you can, I didn't know where you're going. <laughs> oh, Crazy David and his crazy shirts. Watch well, out. For we may have Crazy hours. David on the podcast soon, but yeah. You can get one of his crazy $4 shirts and say, ignore this person or stupid's with me or I'm with stupid. Oh, and on the next page, we can get some freaking amazing super belt buckles. Oh my gosh, I want one so bad. Oh my god, wait, no. Legit, I want that Batman utility belt. You want the Batman utility belt? Oh, that's pretty sweet. Oh my god, that is... That's legit. Imagine if you bought that back then, and like you were like, oh, this Batman utility belt sucks. But you kept a hold of it until now, 2020. Think about how ridiculous of an investment that would be. Well, and then they're actually advertise a book I've actually read called the golden age of comic books, uh, <laughs> which was pretty amazing. So, uh, anyway, or those color forms, man, Woo, two fifty a set or two fifty each. And then like, I mean, those things sell for like 20 bucks a pop now. See, well, in that golden age of comic books, 40 full color reproduction was more expensive to print back then, but that book would sell for like 39.99 now. So there we go. All right. So Helena Wayne, we're back to Helena Wayne. Uh, she does what Batman does. She goes and investigates everything and she goes and intimidates Silky by looking like Batman standing up. And I do want to point out this panel on page 12 with her doing that because it's something that they've replicated, but more used to replicate with Batwoman. Oh, yeah. And so, and we'll, I'll kind of get into that with Crisis 2 in a second, like okay. uh, what happened to this character. But um, I'm glad that, like, they, like, Helena was able to preserve it a little bit, but I'm glad they also preserved it with Batwoman as, on the television show, in the comics. Uh, because I think it's something good to use, right? Like, the it's the idea that the bat shape or the shape <laughs> of somebody in, in a cape like this is what scares people, throws them off, is the subterfuge. Mm-hmm. And that it's really a non-gendered thing. Right? Oh, yeah. It doesn't have to be Batman. It could be the concept of the bat. And they they go back to that. It strikes fear. That's That's what it needs to do. And so they're able to, you know, work with that. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's really something that sticks around. And so another kind of concept that Levis was able to take that past concept and then reintegrate it here really well. Mm-hmm. And Definitely. the artwork, Staten's artwork on it is perfect. Oh, yeah. Including dedicated that whole panel to it. Yeah. Definitely. I like, I, I will say too, like, uh, if you go back a page to when you've got the car and the reflection in the, in, you know, um, on page, uh, page oh, yeah. 11. 11, yeah, that panel, um, with the windshield and stuff like that, that is such a good, that's just a nice panel. It's just really nice. Just the reflection and all, it just looks so good. 
And even the flow of that page 11 and page 12 mm-hmm. specifically, I and mean, we guess the last three pages really. Yeah, just but boom, 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 boom. The action just... flow, it tells story very quickly. It's almost like a montage scene, yeah. but done into like a single, you know, a few panels. And the panels flow really well. It's easy to follow. They also highlight her crossbow, which was supposed to be her big deal of a weapon, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it does a lot there, those couple pages do. And yeah. they use those pages later on, too. And I yeah. recently read the All-Star 70s volume hardcover. I say recently. It was about five, six months ago. But yeah, it, they really do follow up on a lot of these concepts in introducing this brand new character that does stick around in various forms for a long time. So, well, up to now, and even being in a movie. So, if, yeah, well, she was in Arrow. She was in the terrible Birds of Prey television show. She was in the Birds of Prey movie mm-hmm. from the media standpoint, and then also various forms of comics. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, stand, uh, uh, a standing standing character, standing in in various various places. And because so many of Paul Levitz's uh, creations were like Legion related or reboots of other characters, I hope he made a ton of money off of the Birds of Prey movie. Oh, yeah. I, I hope he did because it's like so many of his great, he's a great writer, but so many of the ideas were taking old concepts and redoing them, which yeah. wouldn't be his original concept. And if you don't know, he was part, you know, I brought up the comic Creators Guild at our book Creators Guild at the beginning. Because mm-hmm. Paul Levitz has been a long-term supporter of creator rights and actually with his work at DC, helped a lot of creators get paid for the work that they did. Ah. And so one of the reasons he was you know, popular among writers and artists, and it's hard to stay popular when you're an editor because you're telling them what to do. And so <laughs> to yeah, stay yeah, at DC yeah. that long and be that successful. And he also, because of his knowledge of history and his editorial prowess, has some amazing posts. It's really sad right now, but amazing posts every time a creator passes. Yeah. Uh, we get a really good, he, he'll post really great stories and information about the person so he can sort of catch up, especially, obviously, if they work for DC. Right. That's pretty good. So we have the youth sales club at the back after I brought it way down. And we've got the last page. I guess I want to... So, do you know what happened with Huntress down the road? No, tell me tell me what happened. Because, I mean, reading this, you're like, oh, boom, she's going to be... She's she is, she's going to be taking on lots of different uh, baddies in the in, in Gotham City. She's going to be... Uh, the way that they lead it off, I mean, she's, she's going, you know, Justice Society of America. I mean, what's going to happen next? So what happens? Well, she very much goes to Justice Society. And yeah. of course, I mentioned they those books are canceled. They become backup books in Adventure Comics. Uh, she shows up in there. And then she her and Power Girl show up as part of Infinity Inc. at, at the initial launch. Uh-huh. So this, the which Infinity Inc. was the second generation superhero book. And Roy Thomas uh, jumps. It's interesting. Jim Shooter left Legion uh, earlier in 77. And Levitz actually wrote some Legion books. It was his first shot because of Shooter leaving. Jack C. Harris also wrote a Legion story in that mix uh, to fill in when Shooter abruptly left. Shooter becomes editor of in chief of Marvel Comics. Everyone hates him. Roy Thomas goes to DC and basically takes over the Golden Age line because he's a comic historian and loves that. Uh-huh. So he, after the initial introduction where Levitz is using Power Girl and Huntress, 
they show up later in the Roy Thomas books, which is super cool. And then we have this thing called Crisis Happen. And we were joking about it, but all the Earths became one Earth. So you had yes. all the characters merge. Well, what happens to the Huntress if you don't have a history where Batman and Catwoman get together and have a baby? She disappears. Or she needs a new origin. Oh, no. She needs a new origin. So we get Helena Bertinelli, who is the daughter of a crime family. Ah. Whose family is murdered, and then she becomes an Avenger to go after the crime boss who murdered her family. Ah. Which is kind of in line with what we're used to in the tv show <laughs> yeah well and so yeah the tv show that was the origin for the movie as well i think i and it was personally spoiler um, g thanks dan yeah I'm, my bad for spoiling a movie that's been out for a year so uh, uh but the uh well i didn't spoil the end or anything for you and you can oh, still go good. watch is it margot robbie play uh, play around as Harlequin, which is fun. So that's cool. But it's, yeah, so it's interesting because you get uh, Helena Bertinelli in a lot of the media. Um, you also get, though, Paul Levitz actually brought back uh, brought back the Earth 2 version of The Huntress and huh. did a, a World's Finest series a few years back where instead of it being Superman and Batman in World's Finest, it was Power Girl and Huntress ah. as an homage to the golden age of comics where World Finest was founded. So it was a super fun book uh, and it ran for a bit. And the James Robinson all-star uh, book was running at the same time. So it was an interesting little look, but it, it didn't last as long as I would have liked. However, so you do get both versions of the Huntress showing back up wherever it's convenient wherever and now convenient. that we have multiple earths again it's okay yeah because amazingly uh comic book creators and readers uh can conceptualize the fact that in fictional stories there could be different worlds what there can be different worlds in comic books i don't believe this i i mean it is a pretty amazing con concept that i can go to uh i can go to my should we call him my fake nephew, but my little nephew, Ben, and explain this concept to him, and yeah. he gets it. Yeah. Yeah. And so if I can explain it to an eight-year-old or a seven-year-old, I think that most people probably could get this concept. Yeah. And, no, I, and I agree. But then again, he is a pretty smart kid. He is a pretty smart kid. but I, And that's what they were trying to do with Crisis. They thought it was too confusing to have all these different Earths. And yeah. I always... and. You know, it's kind of funny. It's like Marvel after that double down and just like, yep, there are tons of Earths. And we're even going to comics where people go to every Earth, like The Exiles. This is a great book. And that was the whole point. And then you have TV series like Sliders and uh, Quantum Leap. Good show. Love them. People were going to different Earths. And so it's funny. Crisis happens, 84, 85. And then you have all this media out there where they're employing the exact concept that DC said readers were too dumb to understand. Whoa. I think that they, it's not that they were too dumb to understand. I think it's just conceptually, it's very, it can be difficult and muddy. And sometimes, sometimes depending on the format of the media in which you're trying to tell the story, it can be difficult. I, I know whenever you're doing flashbacks and comics and stuff like that, it's hard to follow sometimes. Or if you're, if you're, crossing uh 
different boundaries between Earths or planets and stuff, sometimes it could be difficult for a reader who might miss something in a panel and they have to reread it a few times. Yeah. It can be aggravating. On a TV show, it's easy to showcase something like that and to get the point across uh, with either a weird gimmick of a, of a, um, a, a wipe or, um, you know, a spaceship or some sort of like time dimensional, dimensional movement or time travel type situation in which somebody can see that. But, you know, in a comic book, in a panel, you're dealing with, you're dealing with something on a panel that, that might not make sense to everybody. And that was what DC tried to do down the road was was try to simplify things. I don't want to get too far into Crisis because we'll we've talked about and we'll yeah. talk about Crisis again. We'll, we'll come back to it. And you saw a version of it on TV if you've been watching the the Arrowverse shows. I have not. I I think the uh, well, I'm sure several, all hundreds of our thousands of our listeners have all seen it. Oh, one know? of our listeners. So that'd be me. So. <laughs> he, the the big the big thing here is uh, the huntress is there and it becomes sort of a semi expendable character in crisis along with several of the golden age heroes because their books get canceled and you don't get the cool storytelling that yeah. was happening to continue the momentum of those characters so a lot of those characters become fodder down the road mm-hmm. literal fodder because they like broke golden age robin's legs in the crisis story and they get you know eliminate that version of the huntress and they get rid of a lot of the golden age characters and they basically settled on you know hey you just we only get one of these characters right like gotcha. we get one flash we get one superman we get one this that's what you and get. so in that it made a lot of these characters expendable because the cool writing and storytelling that was happening was harmed by the implosion and that's where i kind of wanted to bring back together so we've got really cool story introducing the huntress great green arrow origin green arrow origin gets carried on later right mm-hmm. they yeah. they bring it back and you get longbow hunters and you get green arrow in seattle in the prestige mm-hmm. format and so that's great and crisis really didn't mess with that very much simply because that book was almost written out of continuity um yeah it's out in seattle nobody you know it's kind of like when you send a sitcom character to seattle they what? either get their own show or they cease to exist. I mean, that's uh, how it was back in Seattle was like the trope in the seventies and eighties, right? Yeah. Like of where you send a character and now Seattle's huge and, and it's not right. as much that way, but yeah. even that, but they even joked about it in parks and rec. Um, right. So you, you know, just become a real estate agent in Seattle. Right. So yeah. it, it's, you know, they still use Seattle that way as this far away place from the East coast where you can send people. So, that happens. Green Arrow gets to continue on. The Legion continues on. Um, they're not as hurt by the implosion because they were actually in the process of taking over Superboy's book. Ah. Uh, and Superboy. so it was one of the books that was kept. Get out of here. Yeah. Scram. Get lost. And they eventually kick Superboy go. out. It starts out as Superboy. Then it becomes Superboy starring the Legion of Superheroes. Then it becomes Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes. And then it just becomes Legion of Superheroes. And then Superboy grows up and becomes Superman. <laughs> well, and for a discussion another day, we can get into the all of the damage the crisis did to the Legion of Superheroes continuity timeline and yeah. effectiveness of sales. And we'll cover one of those books 
down the road, sort of like we did with uh, Teen Titans, New Teen Titans, and discuss some of the implications of taking your top selling books. Danny Chase. Yeah, and giving us Danny Chase or taking your top selling books and then messing with the editorial timeline so you can tell a crisis story, yeah. but endangering your top selling books later. And it's interesting that's happening six years later from here mm-hmm. when they had the implosion and they endangered, you know, their sales were endangered by an external force, which was the blizzard and uh-huh. the price of paper. Yeah. And then they do it to themselves six years later internally. So it's an interesting sort of concept there mm-hmm. to see if they've learned from their mistakes. But the implosion, it was a really bad time for comics. And we're sort of facing a time like that now. I mean, how we've talked about it a little bit. Uh, but we're a little bit further in. So DC Comics just announced they laid off most of the DC Universe staff, which is their streaming service, mm-hmm. and where they've been putting up old comics for people to read digitally. Yeah. If you subscribe, a great service. I'm. It's supposed to maybe go over to HBO Max, which can I just get an editorial out here? HBO Max, for God's sake, work out the effing contract with Roku and Amazon Prime. So I can watch the effing shows on the fucking Roku. Now I'm just depressing because it is absolutely ridiculous to take away my HBO Go, which I had there, disable the app, and then say I can't watch anything because you can't work out a contract with the two major sources of streaming besides Apple TV in the world. Like, oh, I'm with you. I'm with you, Dan, because like. in in our house we've got you know i got a roku in the office and if i want to go and be on the treadmill then it's it's on a different device and it's um you can't you can't get certain things on it and that is definitely a you know that that's a that's a problem and and uh, and, and so this one's interesting because it's sort of a both. It's both like the crisis I was describing, self-inflicted. Yeah. Whereas AT&T merges with Warner Brothers, right? Like yeah. AT&T immediately, like DC Universe is pretty much doomed as soon as they announce HBO Max, right? And they start mm-hmm. moving all these shows there. Yeah. It's like Batwoman's already on there. They're moving uh, Doom Patrol over there yeah. off DC Universe. Mm-hmm. And, and so... They're creating this and, of course, eliminating the. I don't know if they're eliminating, but right now it looks like digital comics might be eliminated, which is really awful. Yeah. Or they're going to keep like a dumbed down version of DC for just that. But I don't think they've actually decided yet. But then you have COVID-19 as well, which yeah. hurts distribution sales, right. etc. And so you have a, a corporate overarching company. Warner was that in the 70s that was mm-hmm. questioning the sales of the comics, right? And are we selling enough, et cetera? And now you have Warner Brothers, AT&T, et cetera, whatever, one of the last five corporations in the world, right? After yeah. all the mergers and controlling this. And we've got these two forces sort of going at each other. So tell me, you're the prognosticator here as a creator. What is the future of DC Comics? That's a great question, and it's a it's a scary it's a scary look into the crystal ball because you don't know. It's kind of cloudy uh, as a creator um, looking at it, and you're wondering, will there be, um, you know, it kind of goes back to the to the to, to our conversation earlier. You know, you got a lot of a lot of talent in the pool, 
and a lot of a lot of people want to want to be able to to pitch ideas and talk talk about stuff but but really whose ear are you going to get and if it goes back to that situation where you've only got we'll just say you go back to the to the blizzard times right of uh and afterwards and you've got you've got four editors or whatever and it, and it's your now your ears are even even smaller and the amount of uh voices are louder and you're working um you know everyone's everyone's trying very hard to get their ideas out there um you know, vying for the same, the same things. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, and, and it even means like, what will they do? Will they, will they keep the same stories that they're uh, like, will they, they stay with their tried and trues? Will they cut more, some of their stories down, trim some of those storylines and other things? Will we see a, a giant uh, change like we did, like we talked about earlier in the, in the podcast, like in 78 and, uh, and what happened in DC then uh, in 2020, 2021, Will that be the case? And uh, you start to see a lot of storylines go to the wayside, and we'll have to wait a while on some of those coming back, um, and some of those creator, uh, creator, creative teams uh, that are working on those things uh, be pulled off of those projects, and hopefully uh, reallocated to something else, or move on to um, move on to something somewhere else and find a new home. Um, you know, it's a it's a tough one. It's definitely, it's a tough, it's, this is, I'll just say it's a shitty year. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and in 1978, it's when perhaps I might say that comic books, public relations, people were a little bit more transparent about what was going on. Mike Gold, the public relations rep for DC Comics just says, today we've gone into an entirely different distribution system wherein we're using fewer titles and reduced print runs. There are other reasons, too. We got slaughtered during the blizzard, absolutely slaughtered. Everybody got slaughtered during the blizzard. And quite frankly, that didn't help matters. Sales of comic books have fallen off dramatically over the last decade. It's a question of taking what we perceive as a radical maneuver or radical measures, sorry, to stabilize that steady decline. And I think we'll be looking at some more of those radical measures now i'm just interested to know i would like them to be a little bit more transparent about what those radical measures are Mm -hmm. and here they were very transparent right they're they're they and the quote gets into and that's where i also learned about the different prices in newsstand magazines and things like that they actually explained it right hey they get this much here they get this much here whereas now we're sort of in this limbo period well are they or aren't they going to cancel the service or are they not and, you know, it's frustrating as a subscriber because I feel like they're just trying to drag money out of me to the last drop. Oh, yeah. As opposed to giving me a service or telling me where to put my money mm-hmm. to make things successful for the artists oh, and for, writers. For sure. As, as anybody that's a subscriber to any service, if, you, if you're subscribing and backing something that you are a fan of for the most part because you know or you're a fan of and for the most part you're wanting to get your your dollars to the those creators and those those teams and you want to support that business and stuff like that and then you're being told oh no we're gonna we're gonna clip this and then we're gonna send it all over here to this thing that you either aren't a fan of don't support or can't utilize on devices that you have because of whatever 
that that's a total that totally takes the wind out of your sails as as uh, um, someone in the you know on the on the sidelines of everything you know, looking out looking in and, and wanting to actually you know be supportive of, of stuff uh, and, and just being a subscriber of of these things and, and, and reading or watching this content and it makes it, it makes it very difficult to be able to to enjoy it um, and then as a as on the creative side of things too it's like you're you're wondering what's going to happen to the people that that work in the industry that you know that you don't know uh what's it going to be like what's the landscape going to look like um you know a couple months from now a year from now two years from now is it something that uh we're going to see go is it just going to be dc is it going to be across the board at other other publishers is this going to be changing the way that everything is done uh, across the board everywhere. I mean, there's so many uncertainties as we're moving through this, uh, this time that we're in and seeing so many different things change and so many different places pivot how they do things. Uh, Hopefully we'll see positive changes. And like you said, hopefully we'll see more transparency uh, as to how they're doing their business because that would make people that are digesting it feel a little more at ease as well as creators that are creating it a little more at ease. Uh, if they're, if they're creating it for those companies or if they're, if they're creating it on the outside and they're wanting to, to work within those companies later on, um, you always want to know what, what the bigger scheme, bigger, bigger picture is, right. You know, so from, yeah. Global, yeah. And, and really too, like I'm, I mean, you know me, I get in arguments sometimes with creators about this, but I don't mind, you know, well, I don't know. It's fair to say I haven't purchased a Marvel book pretty much since Disney bought them. So I can't say I'm equivalent to all corporations, right? Like I love it. <laughs> um, but I have, I mean, I could have potentially equal problems with Warner brothers. I hate AT&T. Um, I generally didn't do business with them. So, I mean, I could have some of the similar issues, right? Yeah. Um, and it, you know, I'll consume Disney products. So I've, my issues with Disney are different. It was more of them just like buying everything. Yeah. And I'll probably get over that soon because now everybody's buying everything. Right. But as a consumer, you're, you're definitely, you definitely make choices with your dollars and how they're spent right i mean you've seen me actively not purchase something because i know for a fact that somewhere in that company they do something with the money that they make that i don't agree with so i actively do not purchase those things anymore you've seen me shift how i use my dollars and it's interesting too i think mine mine was more of the creativity going downhill at marvel with civil war the mm-hmm. first one uh the comic book not the movie to yeah. be clear and unmasking of spider-man and just the sheer in my mind like sorry to insult like really good writer right but i just didn't think that was his best work mm-hmm. and uh you know kind of a it's unmasking a superhero like that's sort of a cop-out move Mm. to me in the sense that when you're out of other creative ideas you unmask somebody and i can critique bendis right now with superman in the same way so it's you know what do you what do you do in that scenario but also like i just sort of lost interest and i was more linked to the dc line whereas other people like i hate dc 
whatever. And I think the point I want to get to is it's not to me about like, this is where I get arguments creators, right? I've been, well, I don't read mainline books and I don't read this and I only read indie books and I'm only going to read, you know, something I have to mail away for with special coupons or go on Kickstarter for or whatever magic methodology you're getting for your super underground indie books that nobody's reading. And I like those books too. But I also like reading Superman books. Like I I don't unabashedly. And so it's frustrating to me uh, when one, you have this one thread of the industry and I can just hear them right now. Oh God, look at Warner brothers. They're going to be jerks to us. They're going to do all of this. They're going to, it's going to be terrible. I'm just going to, you know, curl up on my couch with my cat and read my indie books. Mm -hmm. And then on the other hand, you know, but there are real concerns I have. And so I want to know where to support people from the independent side and where to support people on the corporate side, because let's face it, if DC comic books, DC comics goes down or substantially cuts their line, it's like you said earlier, a lot of great creators are losing an outlet where they both get paid well Mm -hmm. and they're able to, uh, create in a space where a lot of people are reading that book or those ideas are taken and then put into movies where they're getting royalties, et cetera, which is also important. So I think, I think the answer to that is, and, and, and I think you said it and I don't think you, I think you, you kind of like walked over it unintentionally. You, you follow these creators because you like them. You, you like the stories that they tell and you like the art that they do. Um, follow them on their social media, find out if they're running a Kickstarter for a creator owned project or some sort of thing that they have a passion for, and then back those projects along with reading the stuff that is put out by the big two or one of those other publishers out there that you do enjoy the stories that they're doing and they're creating uh, with those publishers. But if they do have a passion project or some sort of project that they're doing on a Kickstarter or an Indiegogo, or, you know, they might not have that, but you could get some really cool art if you just support their Patreon or something like that, go find them there, back them there. Or just get the word out about them and support them that way. But those are things that you could easily and actively do without having to feel like you're carrying the weight of the world, if you will, like Atlas or Superman. <laughs> and, yeah. or and Atlas or Atlas in Superman. Or Atlas in Superman. And and um and 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 you can you can actively do that and you can feel feel one good about it, but also too, um if you're, if you're, if you're actually getting like a Kickstarter book or something like that, you're going to get something new and unique that you're not used to getting. So, I mean, there you go. There's, there's, there's a, there's a solution. There's an answer. And I would just, the only thing I would add is, you know, don't be ashamed to champion the things you like. Oh yeah. Because if you like Batman and you want to read Batman comic books, don't let somebody back you down and be like, Batman, you know, it's just you could read these indie books. No, do both. Like find the right. things that you like and champion and, and be proud of them. And I think it would do, especially now in this time, uh, creators, fans should be on board with promoting everybody's work. Mm-hmm. Totally. And not not attacking people for the work they choose to do or if they choose to work for one of the big two don't attack people or if they choose to stay indie don't attack them right yeah and i was sort of you know joking but it's that but i was joking about the attacks right it's hey if you want to sit in your house and read only indie books 
I'm totally okay with that, but don't come after me because I choose not to do that. Let's unite together and say, let's celebrate comic books because we like the medium and we like the storytelling. And we may like different stories, but as you know, I read all sorts of stuff. So it's, but I like spandex books, right? Yeah. Yeah. But like, I mean, just, just about Batman. I was told like somebody, I, somebody that I know and, and, and think the world of gives me a tough time. Batman's so boring all the time. But at the same time, it's like, dude, if it wasn't for Batman, you know, like I think of all the great stories I wouldn't have been introduced to if I didn't pick up a Batman comic book when I was a kid, you know, uh, it's just one of those, or, or that like, you know, one of my uncles wouldn't have bought me a comic book you know, over and over again at the, at the Caldor, you know, because it's Batman and all kids like Batman, you know, that's it. So like, you know, you start reading one of those like Batman books and there's like another issue or like another book, like we're reading right now with like additional stories in there and you find other characters. So yeah, Batman's not boring. Batman's awesome. Yeah. Look, Batman. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and honestly, it depends on who's writing too, right? Like, there's some writers that have taken a stab at Batman I love, and others, meh, you yeah. know? And it's okay to acknowledge that too and celebrate, like you said, those creators that you like. So, right? yeah, I just think we need to be really careful right now and supportive of each other as opposed to uh, striking out at books or ideas that maybe aren't us we maybe we can strike out in a different way by just promoting the things we like instead of attacking the things we don't that's true yeah because i mean honestly the if you support the thing you like if you put the energy into the thing you like and support that thing that you like instead of attack and and instead of splitting the time attacking the thing that you don't like with the other half of your energy Think of how much you could actually support something and get that word out. Man, that's like mind shattering, like how much you could actually be like positive and get that word out or actually support the people that you you do care about instead of like talking so much crap about something you don't like. I mean, what good does that do? And we have a lot of negative news right now, and I am probably not the best uh, person to be always positive all the time, but... Uh, Greg, uh, you can tell them, but I've I've come to a different sort of perspective about social media, and uh, it's true. You know, I, I'm going to post things that are dangerous, perhaps, mm-hmm. but I'm going to try not to post things that are necessarily attacking. Right? Oh, yeah. Like, if I think there's something dangerous going on, like the I don't even know if I posted it, but I, sent, I there was something about salmonella and onions. I sent that out to a few people because I'm like, I don't want them to die eating onions. Yeah, yeah. Right? No, and, and, and I appreciate that because my grandma and I cook a lot and we get onions and we had to throw away all the onions. Right. And so I read <laughs> things and I send them out to protect people. But at the same time, I've substantially dialed back yeah. like things that are super negative about politics or things that I can't substantiate all the facts on for and, sure. And sometimes you don't have control over certain things, right? And the things that you do have control over are, you know, being a good person and, you know, spreading the good stuff. And, you know, if you don't have control over it, sometimes it's not worth putting your, I mean, you can try to make changes and that's good, but sometimes it's, you know, sometimes just 
being negative about it just doesn't doesn't help everybody out. So in line with that, we don't want to we don't want to bring you down too much. We just encourage you to be you know excited about the future, whatever yeah. that future holds, in the sense of a graphic art medium will exist somewhere, right? We're gonna have pictures and word balloons, yes. and it's gonna exist in some format, mm -hmm. and it's not gonna go away. And Greg, I want to use this end of the podcast time, yeah, to celebrate. Huh? Some of the worst titles. Oh, some of the worst that titles canceled. that were canceled by DC or, during the '78 yeah, year, or maybe not the worst titles, but at least titles we think are funny that actually existed. Okay. Uh, so, Welcome Back, Cotter was canceled. I own some of those books, and yes, they're they're not they're, they're not great, but boy oh boy, they're a, they're a funny read. They're a, it's a weird comic book. It's a weird time. Richard Dragon, Kung Fu Fighter. Don't I, I don't know it, but I want to find it now. Well, Richard Dragon Kung Fu Fighter was so great that later on, after you stopped watching Arrow, they made Richard Dragon into a uber bad guy on Arrow. Oh, man. Oh, I need to go back and finish watching. I, yes, I, I owe it to myself to do this. Richard so, Dragon Kung Fu Fighter. Yeah, I mean, the ever popular, oh, Claw the Unconquered was canceled. Oh, how could However, yes. Claudia Encounter did spawn Warlord books later, so cool. Nice. Uh, and we lost the Batman Family book. Oh. Actually, do you know why? That's actually a good thing. Do you know why? Why? Tell me why. Because there was actually talk in the room of canceling Detective Comics. Oh, yeah, no. Let's get rid of the Batfam. Yeah, and they kept Detective. And it was actually Mike Gold that Paul Levitz recalled saying that that was insane to get rid of Detective. You know, DC Comics, yeah. named after Detective. Detective Comics. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, probably, you know, a bad idea to get rid of. But Batman just wasn't selling as well as Superman at the time, which makes sense with the movie and everything. So, yeah, yeah they actually considered that. Well, so, Batman family, we're glad we lost you because we right. kept Detective. Yeah. Batfam. You're not the jam. And so, and of course, you know, two of my favorite Justice yeah. League Detroiters, Steel, the Indestructible Man, and uh, Vixen. A Vixen, we never saw you, and then we lost you, and of course, Steel. Great well, movie. Oh, no, not that Steel. Oh. This is the Steel that, no, no. This is like the Steel from here at Legends of Tomorrow. Oh, oh, Legends of Tomorrow Steel. Yeah, and, and... Um. Wow, that was a lot of and ums to me because I don't have time to try to explain steel right to you right now. That's okay. Well, it's another podcast. Let's just say this steel gets murdered by Amazo. That's Amazoing. Yeah, Amazo's pretty Amazoing. <laughs> He's amaze. Uh, well, He's a on, that note, on that note, you, what else was canceled? Karate Kid was canceled. Well, Karate Kid from the Legion, not the Karate Kid you might all be thinking of when yeah. we say that. Yeah, uh, yeah. it was, it was, uh, yeah. And, and of course, we lost some of the Jack Kirby books and yeah. things like that, which is unfortunate. But totally unfortunate. yeah, overall, um, DC Comics survived. Uh, came back, wow. came back with a vengeance in the '80s after they stole all of the creators from Marvel when Jim Shooter ran them off. Mm -hmm. And so they survived. And I think going back to what Paul Levitt said, you know, they, they went through this once before and, and hopefully the industry can, can come out of it again. 
Yeah, I think I think they will. I think you know it's one of those things. It, everything goes through its cycles, man. Everything goes through a cycle. So on that note, Greg, we have talked for over two hours. Wow, two hours. Page stories. Three ten page stories got two hours out of us. Well, you know but what though? There's a lot going a lot on. Of of it. A lot, yeah, of, a lot of. It ties well, in so much. And that's why I chose it. So there you go. Sometimes I can choose things that are, you know, actually fit with what's going on in the world. You did a good job, Dan. And that's a wrap, everybody. Thanks, Greg, for the compliment at the end of the episode. And everybody have a happy Thanksgiving in the United States. Enjoy your holiday weekend. And thank you for your support of Funny Book Forensics. Thank you for listening to episode 256. We'll be right back.